Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to Valley Point Church. It is great to see you. And I will say that you are the faithful ones this morning because the Eagles are playing right now. And you still made the choice to be here. So thank you for coming. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And I will say, if we hear some cheers throughout this gathering, I'm going to assume you're not cheering for us. Probably not. Likewise, if I hear some groans, I will also assume you are not groaning because of us. So feel free to check your phones every once in a while. You're going to do it anyway. So enjoy and thank you for being here. I'm joined today by Sherry Kelly and my wife, Tanya Kohler. Thank you for joining us. Periodically throughout the year, I will give them some biblical topics or biblical subjects to research and then come back and share that information with all of us. Today is one of those days. I'm grateful for their research and for their insights and for their perspective, and you're going to benefit from that. So again, welcome. I'm glad that you both are here as we conclude today this series called Seasons. We've been walking through this series throughout the month of October here and talking about all kinds of different seasons. Today, we wrap it up with something energizing and inspiring, and that is a suffering season. Yay for suffering, right? Yay. No one actually says that. They don't. But yet we read some pretty interesting things in Scripture. In particular, in James chapter 1, there are some words there that attach joy to suffering. So before we chat for a little bit, let me just say, if you are in the midst of a storm today, if you are in the midst of suffering and you feel overwhelmed and wonder if you will ever reach the other side, then I would really encourage you to lean in today and discover what God may want for you during this season and how you indeed may be able to attach joy to this particular time. So James chapter 1, it has some interesting things to say. Tanya, you've been researching this. What does it say? Well, God's word has a unique way of making us stop and think because sometimes it just says some crazy things. And uh, James chapter 1 verse 2 starts, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And it's possible that these might be some of the most troubling words in Scripture because trouble and trials... That's not what we think of when we think of how to have joy or something that would fill us up. Sherry, a suffering season, what do you think? Well, I certainly hope Doug Peterson has been able to consider it all joy. (laughs) That's right, and he's in it right now, right now. So I give you guys the fun topics. Thank you for researching and thinking about this. I want to share a big idea and then we'll keep talking. So this will frame our conversation today. 
and that is suffering in life is not desire. And most of us are going to agree with that. We don't like suffering. We don't like tough seasons of life, but it's not desired. But here's what it does. It produces something beautiful, a mature and well-developed follower of Christ. The second part sounds good, especially if we have embraced the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers through the person of Christ. We probably want to be that mature and well-developed follower. But what's interesting is that suffering is actually a part of this. The two work together. Tanya, you have been researching and studying the New Testament book of James, which talks quite a bit about suffering, and you're actually teaching through this book for Real Women, which meets once a month on Saturdays. So a lot of time spent in this book. And it's a fascinating book because a lot of scholars will tell us this may be the earliest New Testament writing, which makes the book of James unique in and of itself. But the other dynamic part of the book of James is its purpose. It wasn't written to be a doctrinal statement. It wasn't written to defend Christianity, which is interesting because being an early writing, you'd think James would want to defend Christianity as it's being established. But it's not an apologetic book. It has a very practical purpose. So talk to us about the book of James and what you what you found there. So James was written in 49 AD, and the author of James is James, who is the brother of Jesus. And the purpose for his writing was to help teach the church and us how to live. And uh, according to church tradition, they say that James was known as old camel knees because of the time he spent on his knees praying. And uh, as you work through the book of James, uh, it is a very real, raw, and uh, transparent book. Uh, The book begins, like we said in James 1, with just a crazy idea of how to approach suffering. And it kind of presents us with a theology of how to handle suffering. I think it's a hard topic to talk about, but one that is very helpful And I think that takeaways from James can be life-altering. Sherry, scripture is replete with stories of people and their suffering. One would think, if God were packaging a book, which, which he did, and he gave this book to us so we could understand the mind of God and how to have a relationship with him. One would think, in packaging this book, that he would hide stories of suffering because, wow, we want to avoid that. But that's not the case, right? Right. One of my favorite things about the Bible is uh, the unexpected things that God includes. God doesn't hide the pain that people walked through in their lives. And he doesn't hide the deep questions they asked Mm -hmm. about God in the midst of their storms. Psalm uh, 13 says, How long, O Lord, must I struggle? with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day. Answer me, Lord, or I will die. Mm. And and there's so many verses like that where writers are crying out in the midst of their pain and asking God for help or where are you and when will you make yourself 
real to me. We could spend months looking at all of the verses that deal with suffering and pain in Scripture, yet you come to the book of James in particular, and it talks about joy and consider it pure joy or count it all joy whenever you walk through suffering. Tanya, you've been researching these very words. What do they mean? So I was looking into those because I felt like, what are we really supposed to consider joy? Is it the pain that we're walking through? Uh, Is it the hurt? Because that doesn't seem like that would bring joy to us. And that's really not what this is referring to. It's saying that we need to look at the change that will happen in our hearts, in our lives, as we walk through difficult circumstances, as we walk through pain, that there's going to be a change within us when we walk. Uh, I looked up the word joy in the original language, and the word joy here means joy. And uh, I was a little disappointed by that. I thought maybe there was another hidden meaning, maybe there was something else. It meant, but it doesn't. It truly means joy. But we can have that joy as we grow and change through the circumstances, through the pain that we walk through. But I think it's important for us to to prepare for the pain that we walk through. We have to think about what are we going to do when we're walking through a difficult situation. And I think it's best for us to prepare ourselves before we get stuck in a struggle or a hard time because so much of our life is handled in our heads and in our hearts. And if we determine, I'm going to stick with God, I'm going to lean on him when we're walking through a difficult time, we can see the joy in our lives that's talked about right here. I think putting this into practice is not easy, but I think it's very helpful for us on our walk. You bring up a very interesting point about preparing for a suffering season. Mm -hmm. And if we choose now how to respond when the heat is on us, perhaps we have a chance of Mm -hmm. finding that joy. So if you are not in a suffering season right now and you're enjoying life and loving it, that's wonderful I think we all understand and know that around every corner or behind another door, we can't always anticipate what is coming, and there may be hurt or pain or suffering or loss there. So if we prepare now, that helps us. Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is it's not the event or the circumstance that brings joy, it's the results. Mm -hmm. I think that brings up Another question. Intellectually, we may assent to suffering can be a good thing if I allow God to do what he wants to do in me through it. We might assent to that and say, okay, I get that. But one of the questions I get asked all of the time, and it's very difficult to answer, and that is why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good people suffer? Why do righteous people suffer? Those who are trying to honor God with their lives, and certainly in imperfect ways, but they're really trying. Why do bad things happen to good people? Sherry, I gave that big 
question to you. You did some research. What did you find? That's a great question because we all really want things to make sense. And that's something that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Mm. We like the idea that if you're good, good things will happen. And if you're bad, bad things will happen because it makes sense. And we can see that that works sometimes. But the world is broken. Mm. And we're broken. And yes, sometimes we make good decisions and good things happen. But sometimes we make bad decisions. And our bad decisions don't just affect us. They affect everyone around us. My bad decisions hurt other people who don't deserve the consequence of my sin. Sometimes bad things happen to good people because all of our decisions affect everyone else, whether they deserve it or not. And sometimes bad things happen to good people because, not because of another person's brokenness, but because the world is broken. People get sick. People suffer devastating loss because sin has broken the world as well as people. But the good news is God is with us. When we suffer, God is with us and he bears our suffering alongside us. And he reminds us that he can bring good things out of our suffering. Isaiah 61 says, he makes beauty out of ashes. And we also know from scripture that it will not be this way forever. We will eventually be done with sin and death and brokenness and suffering. God will not tolerate our bad decisions forever. Mm. There will be justice and there will eventually be an end to all evil. Isaiah 61 is a very powerful passage of scripture, and the title for that chapter is Good News for the Oppressed. So there really is good news in all of this. And I think understanding that, knowing that God takes suffering and he can shape that into something good, can bring joy into our lives and give us the ability to stand up under the pressure and stand up under the circumstances. Knowing that, though, I still don't think any of us are going to say to God, okay, here I am. Like, pick me for suffering, God. Bring it. Like, I'm ready for this. I don't think people are going to say that, right? No. Uh, Throughout life, I have told God many, many times, I think I'm done growing right now. I think it would be nice just to coast for a little while. You know, have life be easy because struggling in life is tiring. It's tough. And uh, the word trial here in these verses, it covers a wide range of circumstances. So we all walk through trials, sometimes small things, sometimes very difficult things. And I think it's really important for us to talk and to share what we're walking through. Because I feel like sometimes we're really good at comparing what we're walking through, comparing our trials, and so we sometimes won't share. We'll say, oh, what I'm walking through isn't as bad as what they're walking through, so I think I'll just be quiet and just hang on to this by myself. Um, I hear this sometimes when moms talk, and uh, sometimes a mom will say to me, oh, I'm so busy, my kids are driving me crazy, I can't get everything done, and then they'll stop and they'll look at me and they'll say, I only have two kids and you have six. I can't, I can't complain to you. 
I'm like, yes, you can. You can complain to me because it doesn't matter if you have two kids or 13 kids. They take up all of your time. They take up all of your heart and they spend all of your money. So we, uh, we can relate and we need to talk and we need to share. And uh, if we don't share what's going on in our lives and what we're struggling with, um, become, become very lonely. Um, and we don't have the opportunity to have somebody else pray with us. Uh, we don't have support and we don't get that encouragement. So it's important for us to share. So I think I heard Tanya say that you can complain to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so all complaints right here today. It's great. Yeah. I've asked both of you just to share a personal story about suffering. Sherry? I do agree that it's so easy to feel alone, whether our difficulty is big or small. Just this last week, I've been struggling with conflict Mm. with three different groups of people, three different situations. I hate conflict. (laughs) It makes me so uncomfortable, and I feel so overwhelmed. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. I can't fix it. I don't know what to do. All I can see is my hurt. Pain has a way of concentrating our focus, usually on ourselves. But pain can help us open up to others and to God. It can force us to say, I need help. I can't carry this. I can't solve this on my own. Mm. I think one of our key steps today is pain, suffering, it, it has to be shared. And if we don't do that, we tend to isolate And there's no support. There's no encouragement in that. And you both have talked about that. Okay, Tanya, your story. So uh, last year I went back to teaching. And uh, I had a class where several of the students had uh, significant trauma in their lives. And because of that, uh, I didn't know how to help them. Uh, I wasn't sure how to teach them. And uh, their story really broke my heart. And uh, teaching was very difficult for me. And I went into school most days feeling like a failure last year. And uh, through that, I needed to lean on God more and more. And that was a very real trial for me. But through that trial, uh, God taught me to lean on him and to persevere and to stick with him. And perseverance is Mm -hmm. another big part of what you find in James in the following verses. So can you share those with us? Yes. James 1, 3, and 4 says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I'd like to share this definition I found of perseverance. It says, Perseverance is described as not swerved from his deliberate purpose, and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. And I think that when we have trials and we stick with them, and we stick with God through that, we will develop perseverance in our life. And so sticking with God through good days and bad days will develop perseverance in us. I think another way potentially to define perseverance would be with grit, we, we get gritty in the midst of our pain and agony and choose, again, 
here's how I will respond. I will hang on to God even when it's really hard and difficult and Mm -hmm. I don't sense God is responding like what we read so often in Scripture. I'll have this gritty perseverance that has the potential to see us through. I have asked both of you to develop a takeaway, just something practical for everyone this morning. So Sherry, please share your takeaway with us. Trust God. Trials will either turn us away from God or turn us toward him. He loves you. He is with you. Hang on to him. Mm, It's so encouraging. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Tanya, your takeaway? To desire completeness in God through whatever pain you may experience. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for those encouraging words as well. Desire completeness because it can happen, which takes us back to our big idea. Suffering in life is not desire. Again, we don't sign up for that. We don't ask God to bring it. It's not desired, but it does produce something beautiful, a mature and well-developed follower of Christ. I think some of the most beautiful people that we know, we, we talked about this a little bit, Some of the most beautiful people we know are those who have walked through very difficult things, but yet they've chosen to have this gritty determination to hang on to God. They have persevered, and God does mature them. He gives them the ability to stand up underneath all of that pressure, and he produces something great in them, and they truly are beautiful people. So one of our challenges is hang on to God, do that and desire completeness in God, this makes us beautiful. It does. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Really grateful for your insights and perspective today on a suffering season. Will you help me thank them? We're going to step into a time of contemplation now as we remember the sufferings of Jesus We talked about personal suffering, but we're going to think about the sufferings of Jesus and how that made redemption possible for all of us. It's unique that on a day we're talking about personal suffering, we're also going to remember the sufferings of Christ. And Sherry, you shared something interesting about that connection as we talked about this and prepared for it today. Will you share that with everybody? Sure. Jesus experienced profound suffering on his way to the cross. But even in his pain, he did not close in on himself. In the midst of deep anguish, he opened himself up to God and to the world. And God made something beautiful out of his suffering. Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. Amen. Tanya, will you close us out in prayer, please? It's great. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it gives us hope and direction. Pray, Lord, that you would help all of us to determine that uh, we're going to think about how we'll respond uh, when life gets tough, and that we'll determine now to uh, cling to you and uh, choose to hang on to you when life gets tough so that we can see change in our hearts and that we can grow. Pray, Lord, that you would help all those who are in here today who are suffering. 
Pray, Lord, that you would be very close to them and very real. Pray, Lord, that they would lean on you and uh, commit to sticking with you. Pray, Lord, that you would be with uh, the families who are suffering in Pittsburgh today, um, who have experienced great loss and uh, the loss of uh, family and friends. Pray, Lord, that you would be very close to them. Pray, Lord, that you would uh, heal their hearts and that you would help them to lean into you during this difficult time. In your name that we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.